we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're taking over. Play together. I'm lifting my phone because I got my Harvest app. That's where I listen to the Bible. Let's say it, everybody. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah. Remain standing. Go to John chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. New Testament book, John chapter 8. And when you get it, just say, I got it, Bishop. And if you're still flipping or still uh, hitting the buttons, just say, hold on, Bishop. I will wait for you. Love is patient. So I will be patient with you. Okay, enough. That's enough. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. John chapter 8, verse number 44. Say strength. Be in the room. Boldness. Be in the room. A push from God's glory is in the room. John chapter 8, verse 44. This is Jesus speaking to some religious leaders of the day. And I want you to see what he says to the religious leaders of the day. Got it? Verse 44. You are of your father the devil. How do you know who your daddy is? Because you desire to do what your father wants you to do. Which means for some of us, watch this. You say God is your father, but your desires say he's not. Say, Lord, change my desires. Say, I want what you want. Not my will, your will. You're not saying it like you mean it. Say, not my will, but your will. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Look at me. It didn't say that there are no facts in the devil. It says there's no truth in the devil. What does that mean? He will use facts to pervert truth. Let me give you an example. See, truth in scripture means what does God say about it? It is this Greek word that is pistis, which means faith. So it, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without God's truth, it's impossible to please God. So the enemy will take a fact, which might be that the doctor says A, to distort God's truth, which says by his stripes, you were healed. Say that was settled already. 
So check out. He says, there's no truth in him, but he uses facts. He did that in the garden with Adam and Eve. He used facts. They just didn't have any truth. Somebody said there's a difference. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a, not alternative facts, he is a liar. Now, 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 if you grew up in the South, that saying the word liar was basically cussing. But for today's message, since we're excessively aggressive, let's say it. For he is a liar and the father of them or of it. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Jesus said, you'd rather listen to a lie then hear the truth because the truth confronts your desires. Y'all not talking. The truth confronts how you're living, how you're acting, how you're talking, how you're treating people. He says, you'd rather listen to a lie. That's why you don't believe me. To everybody in here who keeps trying to convince family folk of God and scripture and church and giving, the reason they can't hear you is because he ain't their daddy. Verse 46, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He says, I'll tell you why. Verse 47, for he who is of God hears God's words. Why are we in church today? You're of God. Why are you watching today? Because you are of God. Somebody say, I'm of God. Well, I says, therefore, you do not hear. He's talking to these Pharisees, Sadducees. They're so sad, you see. He says, you don't hear me. Because you're not of God. You just got a WWJD bracelet on. You just have a cross around your neck. But he says, if you want to hear the truth, say, Lord, I want to hear truth. Say it like you mean it. Say, Lord, I want to hear truth. If you want to hear the truth, you just found out you're of God. Say, Lord, I'm ready for truth today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. I want to preach for a few moments from this theme, Liar, Liar. Uh, we're in week five of this life-giving message series called Fall Forward to Learn from the Bible, how to maximize failure, mistakes, and disappointments so we can make the decision not to fall down nor to fall backward, but to fall forward. We've been looking at this particular scripture in Proverbs 24, 16 that says this, for a righteous man, I've taught you already so far that righteous, watch this, is you and I because God has made us in right standing with him. It says a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. In other words, God says, I'm anticipating you having some mistakes. I'm anticipating you having some disappointments. I'm anticipating you having some failures. He says, but I need to also let you know I'm anticipating you rising again. In other words, God says, if you're still down, God says, I'm looking for you to come up. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, God's looking for you to come up. Here's the trip about a fall. In one area, you can be standing. In another area, you can be falling. In one area, you can be victorious. In another area, you can feel like you're a victim. But I came today to be excessively aggressive, to get somebody to where every area of your life is on the come up. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, every area of my life is rising. No, say it like you mean it. Say, every single area of my life, it is rising. In last Sunday's message, we learned that sometimes we fail uh, because no offense intended, because we fight like 
girls. And we learned last week that girls take it personal. And when you think take things personal, you'll stop being diligent because you'll always be distracted. After preaching last week's message, I spent this week realizing there's a whole lot of stuff I've taken personally. I've taken things personally, and uh, this week the Lord helped get me free and said, Son, don't you ever take stuff personal because you will end up fighting with somebody that's not even in your ring. You will end up exerting energy on individuals and issues and situations and circumstances that aren't even on the stage with you. It's so far removed from you. You've got no business coming down off of the place I've put you to come down there and play with the cheering. Secondly, we learned that girls can be too emotional. If you were not here last week, you've got to get last week's message so that you understand when I say this, this is no offense to women nor to girls. It's simply to play off of what many American boys heard when they were growing up and they would get into a fight. If somebody wanted to uh, 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 tear down a boy or to attack the way the boy was fighting, they'd say to him, you fight like a girl. Because don't get it twisted. Women, let me tell you something. Uh, women have a strength and a fight and a roar. And a vigor, but the truth be told, for many of us, we don't need to tell a woman not to fight like a girl. We need to tell some of the men don't fight like a girl. Are there any strong, victorious ladies in here today? Any strong, victorious men in here today? Now, 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 we, we learned that girls can be too emotional. And while all not, uh, not all emotions are negative, all emotions are enigmatic. That means they're mysterious. All emotions are evasive, which means they never deal with the real problem. And all emotions are erratic, which means they're unpredictable, inconsistent, and turbulent. And when you fight emotionally, you will always fight the wrong thing because you are unpredictable. You will be inconsistent in your fight. You will fight on Sunday and not fight the rest of the week and wonder why you got your head whooped on Saturday. It's because you're inconsistent and because you fight like a girl. And I think there's some people in this place today that realize that I can't fight that way anymore. I think there's some people that realize I can't fight with my emotions anymore. I can't fight being unpredictable and inconsistent anymore. It's foolish of me to expect God to be consistent when I am inconsistent. It is foolish, not because he stops being consistent, but my inconsistency will cause me not to see his consistency in the middle of my own inconsistency. <laughs> Lastly, we learned that girls can be messy. That's probably what you remember from the message last week. And sometimes you can take on the spirit of the mess around you and you'll start picking fights where there's nothing to win. There's another word for it, petty. You will become increasingly petty to fight fights where there is nothing to win. So what you told that person that cut you off how you really felt. Now, what you did is just wasted your energy and took your eyes off of where you were headed to look at where you've been. Y'all not catching him. And if you'll do that over something that small, you'll do it over other things. So many marriages fail because y'all both are messy. You're so messy and you're petty because you're trying to take out your issue on your job, on your spouse. You're taking out your, y'all not saying nothing. You're, touch your neighbor and say, quit being messy. I warned you up front, this message is excessively aggressive. Church folk can be messy. Since you won't say nothing, I'm coming down your road. Well, you're in everybody else's business but yours. You know more about what's going on in the church up the street than what's going on on in yours. You're talking about every man of God, not realizing the first thing about being a man of God is he's a man, which means he's fallible. He'll make mistakes. He'll have issues. But, baby, you got your own drama, too. You got your own issues, too. 
church folk will be the main ones to crucify somebody after they make a mistake and then when they need grace they asking everybody else for grace what the heck church folk can be messy because they feel morally superior because I don't sin the way you sin so you'll look at somebody that overeats and forget that you're a gossip y'all not saying nothing you'll look at somebody that gossips and forget you a lie You'll look at somebody that lies and forget you up. Shut your neighbor and say, work out your own salvation. You'll sit up and criticize a man of God who on my worst day has done more than some folk would ever do on their best day. What that church doing? Feeding thousands of people? What that church doing? Taking care of homeless folk? What that church doing? Making sure people got clothes? What's that church doing? More than you've ever done. That's what we doing. Liar, liar. Touch your neighbor and say, don't be messy. When you're messy, you'll start picking fights where there's nothing to win. So you experience unnecessary failure, disappointment. In today's message, I want to explore three lies that can cause failure, disappointment, and mistakes. And when you find the lies you believe, you'll find the lessons you need to succeed. I'll say it again. When you find the lies that you believe, you will find the lessons necessary to succeed. Here's lie number one. I can reap something different than what I sowed. Here's lie number one. Here's lie number one that we believe. I can reap something different than what I sowed. Bishop, how do you know that people believe that lie? Because look at how we treat folk. And when I say we, I just mean us in the individualized form and fashion. Uh, please understand, the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. You cannot sow drama into people and get mad when drama comes home. Some of your mistakes, failures, and disappointments, you want to know what they are? They're harvests. You're simply getting back what you put out. My wife won't listen to me because you don't listen to your leader. And that's what you're getting. You're getting a harvest of what you sowed. My children don't mind. You don't mind. You ain't touched your neighbor yet. You, you, you are harvesting what you've sown. I know why my life is this way. Maybe it's because you thought you could sow something different and reap something different. But the Bible says, hallelujah to God. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. In other words, don't believe the lie. Somebody say liar, liar. God is not mocked. For God to give you something different than what you sowed is to make a mockery of him. So let me ask you this. If you look at what you're sowing, is that what you want to reap? For everybody in here who gives your boss hell every week, let me tell you what God has for you. A harvest called a promotion. And he's going to give you employees just like you. To everybody talking about other folks' marriage and relationships and criticizing, well, she should do this and he should do this and he should do that. Let me tell you what you got on the way. A harvest called everybody talking about yours. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. Preach, Bishop. If you look at what you're sowing, would you be happy reaping it? Because a harvest is always greater than the seed that is sown. That's why, you know what I want to sow? I want to sow love. Why? That's what I want to reap. I want to sow mercy. Why? That's what I want to reap. I want to sow grace. Why? That's what I want to reap. I want to sow financially. Why? That's what I want to reap. I want to sow goodness to people. Why? That's what I want to reap. 
God is not mocked. God's not mocked. If you don't like what you're seeing in your life, check what you're sowing. Because some failures, disappointments, and mistakes are harvests. For every, for every teenager who you've given your parents all kind of runarounds. Let me tell you what you got one day. After you got good and moved out and got yourself married, God says, <laughs> I got something for you. It's a daughter. Got something for you. It's a son. And they will be the embodiment of the error you sowed. They will be the embodiment of the theft you sowed. They will be the embodiment of I don't love you, I hate you, I'm running away, all of that. They'll be the embodiment of that. Some of you parents coming up praying for your children. I told you this message would be excessively aggressive, but you're going to get free, though. I said you're going to get free, though. We all going to get free. Though. Give us us free. We all getting free today. Somebody holler, all of us. Sometimes you're reaping what you've sown, and you call it the devil. It's not the devil. It's a harvest. And here's the deal. You can't rebuke a harvest. You can't pray a harvest away. If you look at what you're sowing, are you happy reaping that? If you complain to everybody about everything, are you happy reaping that? If you sow a bunch of extra with people, everything's an issue with you. Everything is an issue with you because you are so self-centered, narcissistic, sociopathic, and borderline psychopathic. Because we live in a generation that makes us think life is about us. Everything is about us. It's about me, my, and myself. And what can I get? And if you ain't with me and what I'm trying to do, then the heck with you. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus did not die for us to be self-centered, narcissistic, or sociopathic. He died so we'd have life and life more abundantly. What does that mean? I got so much life, I'm bringing other people back to life. Lie number two, I can be into God but not into church. Liar, liar. That's like saying, God, I like you, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. His church is called his bride. And the church is like a hospital, which means everybody is a patient. So you can't be mad at people for being sick. People get me with this, I've been church hurt. No, a person hurt you and they happen to do it at church. That ain't church hurt. It's quiet in the church. Testing them said it's a hospital. But it's more than a hospital. Because when you get well at a hospital, what do you do? You check out. So stop saying it's just a hospital. It's more than that. This is a place where you learn to rule, to reign, to conquer, and to subdue. Because Revelation 5.10 says that God created us to be kings and priests. And we shall rule and reign in the earth. Not when we die and get to the sweet by and by. But we shall rule and reign in the earth right now. Somebody say, I'm supposed to rule now. Put the verse up. Somebody say, I'm supposed to rule now. Anything that's ruling over you is out of order because God, when he created and formed and fashioned you, he made us in his image and in his likeness, which means anything that's ruling over us is out of order. We're supposed to rule over it. Your emotions shouldn't rule you. You rule over them. Death shouldn't rule you. You rule over it. Generational curses shouldn't rule you. You rule over them. You were created to be more than a victim. You were created to be more than a conqueror. Not attending church faithfully is like never going to school and expecting to pass the test. That's not how this works. Jesus loves and is militantly devoted to his church. And in fact, the greatest thing on the planet is the church. The, soul, the church is so incredible that everything copycats us. 
Let me give you one simple example. I've used this one before, but it works. We're going to use it again. Every club is nothing more than a copycat church. What do you mean, Bishop? You dress up to go. You put on your good outfit. Put on your good smell good. You dance to the music. And don't let them play one of your favorite songs. You'll say, wait a minute. That's my jam. That's all they're doing down here. Like, wait a minute. I like that when the blood still works. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, you, you go to the bartender and order spirits. And you tell them about all your problems. At the altar, I mean the bar. Y'all not talking to me. I said, y'all not talking to me. Difference is, they charge you up front there. You can't come in and get free drinks and leave. They call it a cover. Now, now, now think about this. T touch the neighbor and say, 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 listen. There's lots of reasons people give that don't attend church faithfully, but none of them are valid. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, go through these real fast, okay? <clears throat> so I'm going I'm to I'm get as much oxygen in my lungs as I can. You ready? That ain't enough. Hold on. <laughs> Here's one of the reasons people say, I don't go to church. The church just wants my money. No, no, you don't say it. That's what people say. You ever heard somebody say that? That church doesn't want my money. Let me tell you something. That's untrue about this church, but it's funny. You don't say that about McDonald's. You don't say that about your doctor who won't see you with a copay. You don't say that about your lawyer that won't speak to you without a retainer. Jesus says he'll know your heart because of what you do with your money. So if you've got an issue giving to God, you really have an issue with your love of God, not an issue with money. Here's another reason people say, there's too many hypocrites in church. Well, there's room for you too. Church is not a museum of perfect people. It's where imperfect people love a perfect God. But guess what? I've never heard anybody say, I'm not going to the gym because there's too many juicy folk. I never heard nobody say, are y'all not talking? I never heard nobody say, I'm not going to the gym because there's folk there that don't be doing their workouts right. It is none of your business what other people are doing. You are not the moral police of the world. Mind your own business and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Have several seats. Matthew 7 teaches you that you should check your own life before you try to check somebody else's life. Too many hypocrites. What are you then? You don't even know what hypocrite means. Hypocrite in the root word meaning, it means you're an actor. It means you act like you believe something, but you don't. It doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to practice what you preach. It means that you act like you believe it, but you really don't believe it. Here's another reason people give. I don't believe in organized religion. Then why do you like everything else organized? Why do you like Walmart organized? You look up to see Bath and you know exactly you're going over the Bath. Ain't nobody ever walked into Walmart and looked up at Bath and went over there and there was some noodles. Unless somebody put something in the wrong place. You've never walked into Nordstrom and went over to the men's shoe section and saw some high heels. You may say some Chelsea boots, but you didn't see no high heels. And you leave Chelsea and her boots alone. That's my boot. We boot up. So do. It's not that you don't believe in organized religion. You were hurt. You were hurt by somebody that had authority. And now you project your hurt 
onto anything that looks like authority. And you'll call it a cult. You'll call it control. You'll call it they manipulating you. No, you're manipulated, you're deceived, and you are a liar, and the truth's not anywhere found. Liar! Liar. First Corinthians, I told you, aggressively excessive. Excessively aggressive. First Corinthians 14.33. For God is not the author of confusion. I've heard somebody say this. Bishop Foreman, you know, they run that church like a business. That's why we're debt free. That's why if I just decided today I wanted to go buy something and just buy up a building, oh, believe me, we could do it. Y'all ain't got to say nothing to me. Read in your Bible where it was just a mess and it was disorganized. Read in your Bible where Jesus let the employees dictate to them what they're going to do. We live in an age now in the church where the folk trying to tell the pastor what he going to do and what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. And if I ain't got this, I ain't doing that. If I ain't doing man, don't come with you either with that because you're messing with the wrong bishop on today. Book says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, shalom, things where they belong. There's nothing wrong with being organized. There's nothing wrong with structure. There's nothing wrong with order. There's nothing wrong with speaking kindly to people. There's nothing wrong with smiling at people. What the hell do you think this is? There's nothing wrong with being kind to people. We say we love, we believe in a God of love, so why would we not love people? And I wasn't cussing there. Hell, it's a Greek word which comes from the word Gehenna, which means trash. That's trash. Somebody say that's hell. The next thing, I don't get anything out of church. Well, you must not be coming here. Because at Harvest, if you're applying the, what you learn in the message, you're seeing results. And it takes ex sustained exposure to the sun to get a tan. So it takes sustained exposure to life-giving messages to be transformed. Amen. This summer, I wanted to get a little darker. <laughs> I wanted to be, you know, I was calmer, but I wanted to be like a, you know, a, a dark caramel. <laughs> Mocha. I don't know mocha. I don't know if that looked right on me, but it, just the karma that had been cooking a little longer. I saw it on cooking TV. So you know what I had to do? I had to constantly expose my skin. And the other thing was just hot. But <laughs> expose my skin, and as a result, that sustained exposure got me results. See, some people come to church once. That was good. That was good. Well, you didn't get a tan. And what you did get will wear off because you need sustained exposure. There's lots of people in our country that understand sustained exposure to sun and UV rays and other things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Next, I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. I have church at home. I have church at home. I have church at home. Now, let me be clear to all of our digital family. To all of that who can't be here, but they know I'm their pastor. What's funny is many of them is trying to figure out how to get here. That's what's interesting to me. They flying here, taking trips, looking at houses, looking at apartments, trying to get jobs and all that. Some of them already have. But watch, but watch, but watch, but watch, watch. I'm talking about people who, like, I'm not connected to nobody. I ain't watching nobody on the computer. I ain't doing none of that. I'm just going to sit at home and pray. God knows my heart. Now, he knows you're a liar. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not playing these little Colorado games. I'm going to say what I want to say. 
The book is the book. The book is the book. Think about it. Would you do that if you had a doctor's appointment? Doc, I'm not coming. I'm going to sit at home and check myself. Men know what I'm talking about. That's crazy. Same thing when it comes to church. Oh, and by the way, Jesus went to church faithfully and didn't miss it. And Jesus served in church, so says Luke 4.16. So what exempts us? It's quiet in the church. Here, here's, the, here's the last one. I want to talk about it. I was hurt in the church. You've been hurt on your job. You didn't stop working. Isn't it funny? That girl you sit next to you lied on you to HR. And you still sit next to her. Isn't that funny? You didn't quit going to work. You know why? Because you got paid. Just tell the truth. The truth is you're in love with money and you need to come on and get delivered from that today. Because you didn't stop working when they lied on you and hurt you. It's quiet in the church. It's quiet in the church. Uh, watch this. You've been hurt by your family and you still call him every July 4th to figure out where the barbecue going to be. You're still talking now about what we're going to do for Thanksgiving, what we're going to do for Christmas. We're going on the Big Mamas and what we're going to do. I'm going to do something different this year. Let's do something exotic. I'm going to do something different. We do the same thing every year. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. You had a car accident and were literally hurt. And you know what? Look at all them cars out there. You drove up in here today. You didn't let that stop you from driving. It's quiet in the church. So that's not true. Get in where you fit in, and in case you don't know, you fit here. Everybody welcome. No previous church experience necessary. Black, white, tall, short, whatever. Everybody's welcome. Say everybody's included. But you know what really got me? Is when I wrote this part of the message on yesterday. I said, I'm going to do something. I said, because folk like to talk about I was heard in church. I got church hurt. Church hurt is real, Bishop. How many people, you can bail somebody out when you got to take a trip the next morning to Dallas and you can't even get that person to act right with you when you ask them to do something? Me. How many people have you covered their issues, covered their drama, covered their mistakes, covered their failure, covered their half-buttery to only have that person betray you when you need them the most? Me. How many people have you been their daddy, been their mama, been their lawyer, been their doctor, and when they don't think they need you anymore, they quit you on text? Me? How many people have you had folks lie on you and scandalize your name and only run back in your line and say, hey, Bishop, me? So if anybody should be hurt by the church, it should be me. You want to know who shouldn't be here today? Me. I should have church hurt. Bishop, you, Bishop, 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 Please remove me from your email list. Trick, when you was going through what you were going through and dealing with what you were dealing with, you cried in my arms, you cried on my shoulder, and now you want to act brand new? Tricks are for kids. No, 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 no. Don't you talk about God's church that way. We're imperfect, but we serve a perfect God. If anybody should be hurt by church, it should be me. How many people have you built up from the ground up? They didn't know how to tie their shoes, nor look at their hand, didn't know the difference between their hand and their foot, and you taught them up and trained them up so they could go be a good employee for somebody else, and you got to start over. Me! Now they stunt like they always been like that. Man, please. 
I'm saying something better than what y'all saying back. How many people don't do in a conference? Uh, you got a key person and they send you an email to quit you on a conference day and you got to walk out and you release a new song after somebody betrayed you and stabbed you in the back after you sent them back to where they were going paid for everything. Me? So don't give me this church hurt crap. Bishop, you're called. You're called too. You got to do it because you're called. Oh, no, you got to do it, too, because you're called. What does the word church come from? I feel like preaching here. It comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means the called out, which means we're all called. Somebody say we're all called. We're all called. So I don't want to hear your church church story because it's not as worse as mine. Amen. Keep it to yourself. You hear me? You hear me? You hear me? Over here, you singers. You hear me over here, band? I'm not the one. Say, Bishop, mad. No, 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 no. What I am is I woke up today and decided that we got to accelerate and we got to advance. And there's some stuff I got to stop tiptoeing around and deal with it head on. Somebody shout liar, liar. Huh? How many people you had somebody steal from you in the church? How many of you have somebody in the church steal your identity? How many people have multiple fake Instagram and Facebook pages made about you? You know what really got me? And this, this, I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even mad. <coughs> on Friday, there's a harvester who watches it online. She's watching today, I'm sure, because she always does. And if she's not, girl, get it together. <laughs> I'll take a plane, come up there. She, she, she had flew in for Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets. And I called up all the people who travel here and laid hands on her. I didn't know her particular scenario. And so I had them cut me the video out to see what it was that I prophesied to the, the other day. She sent us a message on Friday saying, Bishop, I got the pathology reports back. And she said, Bishop, uh, here are the doctor's exact words. There is no cancer. It was gone. You will not sit there and look at me like that. I said it was He's still a healer. He's still a way maker. He's still. Somebody holler, he's still. And somebody came on Instagram and said, Bishop. I said, baby girl, you don't know me like that. You're about to step into a fire that you ain't quite ready for because I ain't from around here. See, I'm not beholden to people because I can't be bought. Can't buy a man that doesn't have a price. And, uh, and they said, well, Bishop, we don't know all the details. We don't know all this. And we don't know. And, we don't know. and then they started commenting on everybody else's thing and, and saying, well, we don't know if this is real. We don't know. Y'all just saying hallelujah. If you don't know if it's real. I said, I said, number one, why would somebody lie about that? No, number two, even if they are, that's their business. And it ain't none of my business what type of cancer it was. This, all I know is that I didn't know what she was dealing with. But on that Wednesday, I laid my hands. And I prophesied to her, in two weeks, you'd be facing some things. And in two weeks, he sent a letter or sent a message back saying, I'm completely and totally healed. There is no cancer. Everybody in here shout for Jesus being a healer. I said, everybody in here shout for Jesus being a healer. Yeah. Yeah. Be seated. Here's lie number three. I can do life my way 
and get God results. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Ain't no more telephone wire. So you must have T-Mobile at 14100 East Jewel because it won't work. If you read the Bible, I'm getting ready to close. The bishop, that was pretty light. If you read the Bible, here's this pattern. You'll notice it in your own life too. Because the Bible says the children of Israel are like the church in the wilderness. Which means we read them, we're reading the church. Who's the church? We are. This building is not a church. We're the church. Which means if I said today we're going to have church out in the parking lot, what are we have in church? Why? Because when we showed up, the church was there. If I said today we're going down to, uh, we're going down to, uh, what's downtown Denver, that uh, amphitheater thing? Civic Center thing? Civic Center? With them two lines? That's why I like it. There's two lines facing each other like this here. Civic Center. There you go. If I said we have a church down there today, it's church. Well, this is not the church building where we are. The church is. So you can meet me at the mall. It's the church. <laughs> Matter of fact, let's go after church today. It's past appreciation month coming up, so let's go on through there. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And if you're offended, I'm joking. Take a joke. Have you seen our country lately? While you trying to criticize me, you need to be praying about that. Let's do it now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this great nation that is called America. We thank you. It's a privilege to have freedom. We pray for this nation, Lord. It's a whole lot going on around here from the top to the bottom. And you know exactly what's needed. You know exactly what change needs to happen. You know exactly what needs to go down. So, Father, we commit our country into your hands. And we say, Lord, have your way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this country, we decree and declare that we will move in the things that you have ordained. We thank you that nations won't be laughing at us. We thank you that we will be rising in victory. And we bless you for it now in Jesus' name. If you're thanking God for America, give God praise for it right there. You can be seated. If you read the Bible, there's this pattern, I'm just about done, that emerges. That God, watch this, God, God, y'all still here? That God... God, uh, when he was first in people's lives, in these five areas, these five T's, their time, their church attendance, their testimony that was inviting people to become a part of the nation, of the community, of the congregation, of the church. Three, their treasure. That was their faithful giving, tithes, offerings, first fruits, love offerings. Four, in their thirst. That was their prayer, praise, and worship. And finally, in their talent. That was serving. When God was first in those five areas, the people started doing well. Here's what happened. But they thought it was them. They started reading their own press. They started thinking that every good thing they had was because of how good they were. They started thinking, look at me, I'm somebody. I, I, I'm somebody. I got my house and my 2.3 kids, and I got Fido, and I, and I, and I, got, my, I got, got my little car loan. I'm somebody. They started thinking they were somebody because they didn't have the same struggles anymore. Now, realizing that the reason they didn't have the struggles was because the God that they prayed to and put first removed the struggles. So, so then they lost the struggle, but they forgot the Savior. Some people can't be trusted with success because God knows that you'll forget him. 
It's quiet in the church. So they started doing well and they thought it was them and not their adherence, adherence to the principles they practiced. An enemy would come against them. Then they lose a lot. Then they cry out to God. And here's what God said to them one time when they did that. This was a cycle. Say cycle. cycle. They went through this cycle. And if you and I are honest, there are areas of our lives where we've gone through this cycle. See, you may be riding high because you think you're doing real good today. But God says, if you forget me and forget that I'm the one that got you that, I'm the one that did that for you, putting me first is what got it. Time, talent, treasure, testimony, uh, 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 thirst. If, if you forget that that was what got you what you have, then there's only one thing I can do to remind you. It's to let your struggle return. Bishop, how would a loving God do it? Parents, how would a loving parent teach their children a lesson? It's because love is not just sitting back there being a doormat. Love is not just sitting back, oh, come here, baby, come here, baby. You're a grown man. Love says, sometimes I got to tell you the truth. That's real love. Mary J says she was searching for a real love. She thought it was somebody that made her feel real good. No, real love is somebody that can get in your face and tell you the truth with the risk of you not wanting to deal with him no more. Somebody said, that's real love. Some of you, you have miscategorized your friends. You pull the people close to you, you need to be pushing away from you. And the people you need to uh, reverse it, you're not doing that because you hate those that love you and love those that hate you. Because real people that love you tell you the truth. You are foul and you're out of line and you're out of order and go pray. That's love. Here's hatred. Well, you got to have your own truth. Got to have your own feelings about the situation. Show me that Bible where God was like, how y'all feel about it? One time they did this to God. God raises up this prophet, young dude, called Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he was kind of a, I don't know if he and I would have got along. Because Jeremiah, y'all with me? And I'm getting ready to close. Jeremiah. I just do that just just because. Jeremiah, if you read, so he wrote the book of Lamentations. Lamentations like Jeremiah too. To lament means to cry, but it also means howl in Hebrew. But Jeremiah was kind of a whiny guy. I was talking to my mother the day. I said, you know, and I listed some different names. And I said, I just don't like that. I said, I just don't like that. And I said, and I don't have to. And I said, I'm just not built that way. I said, what I read in my Bible is, is men made stuff happen. Men got things done. They didn't sit around and whine and complain. and Like that little girl on the meme when she's doing like this. Like. And, and, uh, and so I, I don't, don't like all of that. And Jeremiah was kind of whiny. He was kind of whiny sometimes. And Jeremiah was whiny, though, because he had a tough assignment. And he didn't have anybody else around him to fortify him. So let me just, as your pastor, fortify you. If you've got some tough stuff you're dealing with, you're not by yourself. I'm praying with you. I'm praying for you. I'm standing with you so that we don't spend our time whining, but we spend our time winning. Somebody say, I'm winning. One time they did this, and I'm about done. Jeremiah 3.3. This is what the Lord says to them after they did this cycle. Jeremiah 3.3. Therefore, the showers have been withheld, it says. 
and there has been no latter rain. You have a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. Let me break the verse down. Say, break it down, Bishop. He says, the showers have been withheld. What does that mean in an agricultural society? If there's no rain, that means the crops don't grow, which means there's no harvest. What does that mean? Failure. He says, you fail, and there's been no rain because you have a harlot's, old King James says, a whore's forehead. They wrote a song about it in modern culture. They called them chicken heads. He says, you refuse to be ashamed. He says, you refuse to change. See? Old King James. I like the old king. Because the old king just said some stuff like. Watch. He says, he says to his people, he says, you have. Chicken head just an urban colloquialism. It just means you, you, you have a harlot's forehead. Can everybody understand what I mean when I say harlot? Old King James says whore. Does everybody, everybody say that? Okay, the full word in scripture is whoremongler. Because whores mingle and mongle. No, 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 that's what it means. Y'all still here? Don't look at me like that. Think about what God said to his people. See, when God really loves you, there's a time to hug you, and then there's a time to say, now look. You need to get joy in the place today. Why? Because you got proof God loves you. Because watch this. It looks like sometimes he's letting other people get away with stuff. He's not letting them get away with it. What God's really doing is saying, I love you. Somebody say, he loves me. He says, you have a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. You refuse to change. Think about what God was saying to his people. Think about the concept that they're communicating when they use the word harlot. Let me first deal with this. To anybody who's ever been called that, Anybody who's ever felt like that, please understand, don't, don't, don't go off into guilt and shame and condemnation right here, okay? Can I just deal with that reality? Because sometimes you preach stuff in church and then people say, I just felt so judged. All I did was read. So, so if that was your story, that was your story. And you may have done everything they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new. Is there anybody that's glad that no matter what I was, he can make me into something new? Shake your neighbor's arm like you're going to shake it off. Say, it doesn't matter what you were. He's going to make you into something new. Think about what he says. I got to finish. I got to finish. I got to stop. Think about the concept. She's available to the highest bidder. She has loyalty to no one. She's physical with lots of people, but she's intimate with nobody. And anything that seems like it's too good for her, she runs it away or ruins it. That's what he said to his people. He said, y'all keep doing life your way. You have loyalty to no one. You're available to the highest bidder. You're physical with lots of people, but you're intimate with no one. And anything that seems like it's too good for you, you run it away or you ruin it. That's what he said to his people. And he says, you can't do life your way and get my result. He was saying, if you want my results, you've got to do it my way. Usher said, they like it my way, God's way. Say God's way. God's way. And so what ends up happening 
is that God goes through this whole thing like you, you experience all this failure and disappointment and lack. He says, because you're not doing it God's way. Now, let's just be honest. How many of us, we've definitely done that in life? All of us. <laughs> all of us. All of us have said, I got I know what I'm doing. I'm grown. <laughs> you know, you're about 16, talking about I'm grown. <laughs> we've all done it our way. So you're in good company because we've all done this. Thank God for Jesus. That's what the blood was shed for. That's why I wanted to sing the blood still works. Why? Because the blood gives us a fresh start. It gives us a new beginning. It doesn't matter what we were. Watch this. It doesn't even matter what I'm still and what you are still dealing with now. The blood is propelling you forward. See, the blood is working. Jeremiah 3.12, here's what he said to them. And I'm really closing here. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause anger. My anger to fall on you, for I'm merciful, says the Lord. I won't remain angry forever. Somebody say that's good news. He says, only acknowledge your iniquity. He says, acknowledge what you've been doing, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God. You've scattered your charms and alien deities under every green tree. I don't have time to get into what he meant specifically. You have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding children. That's where that term comes from in church, the backslide. Says the Lord. What's what he says? I'm married to you. Wait a minute. God says, even when you backslide, I'm still married to you. Watch this. And I won't divorce you just because we went through a tough time. Y'all don't even know where to shout. Some of you wonder, why won't God just drop me? Why won't he just leave me? He says, we're married. And because we're married, I won't drop you just because we went through a rough time. That's a good place for somebody to shout. I won't give up on you just because you made a mistake. I won't throw in the towel on you just because you failed. God says, I'm married to you. Just your neighbor say, he's not giving up on you. Try somebody else. Say, he's married to you. And when God deals it, God says, I'm like Keith Sweat. Make it last forever and ever and ever. He says, I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and bring you to Zion. Verse 15. And I will give you shepherds. Wait a minute. He says, let me show you how to learn how to do it my way. I'll give you a pastor. According to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge, that's what to do, and understanding, that's how to do it. God says, why is this church thing so important to you not experiencing unnecessary failure, disappointment, or mistakes? He says, because that's how I give you knowledge, and that's how I give you understanding, and that's how you get my results in your life. See, my bishop, it seems like it's taking long, one step at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. Hey, I may not be where I want to be today. But I'm better than I was yesterday. I'm not competing with sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, this, that, and the other. I ain't competing with nobody. I'm walking out my own journey day by day. Come on, Tonto, let's ride. I'm, I'm walking out my own journey day by day. And, 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 and sometimes I might stumble, but that's all right. If a righteous man falls, he shall rise again. Sometimes I might feel like I'm not good enough. I'm going to mess it up. Things aren't working. Sometimes I feel like I got all these attacks coming against me. Sometimes I feel like I'm up. Sometimes I feel like I'm down. But uh, if I keep on putting one foot in front of the other. Paul said, this one thing I've learned how to do, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. In pain, I press toward the mark. In issues, I press toward the mark. In frustration, I press toward the mark. When I don't want to do it, I press toward the mark. If I don't think it's going to work, I press. Is there anybody in here that will shout, I'll press! I'll press! I'll press! 
Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday ah feel the whoa with listerine at bj's you can save two dollars and fifty cents now on listerine products like total care anti-cavity fluoride fresh mint mouthwash or cool mint pocket packs fresh breath strips at your nearest bj's location experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with listerine discount available through december 24th save now only at bj's 